Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, Senior Managing Director of Pacific Asset Management, the sub-advisor for the Pacific Funds Fixed Income Funds. Hello, and thank you for tuning into number 18. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to provide a review of market action in April and give some thoughts on the new large legislative proposals, the economy, and credit. Let's dive right in. April was a pretty strong month for equities, and we did see long-term interest rates kind of settle in a bit. So I'm going to throw out some numbers to you. The S&P 500 in April returned over 5%, and year-to-date is up almost 12%. So again, a very strong first four months to the year. In a reversal of the past few months, the Russell 1000 growth, again, that's anchored by many of the large tech names, was up almost 7% in April, still underperforming the general market up about 8% year to date, but this was a, a nice rebound given the weakness we've seen relative to other areas. The Russell 2000 value, again, that's value oriented, smaller companies up 2% in April. That did lag the market. However, it's up 23% year to date. So again, more traditional businesses have been leading the way. Internationally still continues to underperform the US markets, which you know the developed economies were up, or developed markets, I should say, were up about 6.5% and emerging markets up about 5 As we look over into fixed income, with long-term rates kind of settling in, the month of April, bonds were up about 80 basis points. Year-to-date, though, still down 2.5%. On the credit side, still pretty good. High yield was up a percent in April, and for the year, up about 2%. And again, the the short end, so floating rate credit is up 50 basis points in April, and for the year, up 2.5%. So again, staying short on the the curve, taking less interest rate risk, and continuing to uh, put on the credit trade has been a positive thing for investors. Now let's touch on the Federal Reserve and the new massive bills being discussed in Congress. As relates to the Fed, inflation is going to be the topic of the year. Fed continues to be pretty entrenched that inflation is more transitory than structural. Uh, Personally, I tend to agree with that, but know that we are going to see some pretty shocking moves in certain pockets of the economy. Lumber is up. 5x what it was a year ago. Oil's up almost 3x. GDP is expected to be very strong. CPI, or the Consumer Price Index, uh, and the Producer Price Index, both pretty well-known measures of inflation, are expected to move to the highest levels in a decade. Expectations for inflation are up quite a bit. So this is a topic that is going to be discussed quite a bit. I would say the real question is, is inflation structural slash sustainable? I, that is a TBD. Personally, I think it's more transitory. So let's get into now that the infrastructure package and the families plan package that is being put before Congress. It just, I want to frame that most people are hearing the number $4 trillion in spending. There are That's really the result of two packages. One is the American Jobs Plan, better known as the Infrastructure Plan. That is being pitched and expects to be around 2.3 trillion. And then behind that, 
is the American Families Plan, which is being pitched around $1.8 trillion. So as opposed to one massive $4 trillion package, they've divided it. The administration is divided into two plans. So first, the infrastructure plan. In general, to cover buildings, utilities, jobs and innovation, in-home care, general transportation, that is really driven on a commercial level. To pay for that, the corporate tax rate will is expected to go up. It's currently 21%, pitched at 28, will probably settle in around 25%, in my opinion. Another is a guilty tax, G-I-L-T-I for corporations, and essentially putting on a minimum tax corporations with over 100 million in income. And I call it really an AMT for corporations. That is the payment for the infrastructure plan. And I think that plan, in my opinion, will most likely pass again with some adjustments. But in general, I think that narrative is pretty decent. When we move to the family's plan, I'm a little more reserved. That is really, it's really to help universal preschool, free community college, childcare subsidies, and extension of the child tax credit, and to increase IRS tax enforcement. So that is what it's meant to help. To pay for the family's plan, these are the things that they're going after. One is the top tax bracket to be increased to 39.6%, so almost 40%, currently from around 37. Capital gains for folks with income over a million dollars will move to 39%. That is, that's a really, that's a really big number. Currently it's 20%. Ending the step up in basis for states over a million dollars. That is significant. Ending carried interest. That is substantial for private equity. Ending 1031 exchanges. That is significant for real estate investors. Personally, I think the family's plan is going to be a lot harder to swing, especially if we're seeing inflation, especially if you know, the, the, the constituents that are being disrupted here are very broad and the range of, of support is on, on the more narrow side, in my opinion. So we'll, we'll see what happens with the family's plan. Now let's dig into different sectors across the economy. In a nutshell, as it relates to the economy, I think things are ripping. Demand is surging, and there are a lot of su- supply constraints. And we're seeing that in manufacturing, we're seeing it in labor, we're seeing it in transportation. So when you have this demand surge and you have things essentially constrained on the supply side, distribution side, there, there's going to be a lot of pricing that flows through the end consumer, which hence will trans- transfer to inflation numbers. But I'll give you a sense of where we are versus, quote, normal, which let's say was two years ago at the beginning of 2019. And again, I'll use Bank of America's seven-day average on a daily credit card spend. So again, pretty large sample size, and I think it, it shows an interesting picture. Total card spending was up 14%. Again, furniture, home improvement, up 40% relative to two years ago. Clothing up 17 groceries up 15 restaurants up 9%. The stuff we're seeing still weak relative to two years ago, but improving. Lodging only off 9%. I say only because it was off 40% during COVID. Airlines are down still 34% relative to two years ago, but was off 70, 80% during COVID. Entertainment off 47%. That was off 
90 plus percent during COVID. And again, I think once sporting events, concerts, movies start to come into play, you'll see those entertainment numbers pick up. Now, I'll share with you some anecdotal elements. CEO of a very large outdoor retailer said, quote, I've never seen anything like this. And quote, he essentially expects to be undersupplied in certain categories for years uh, as it relates to certain inventory. Allied Universal, which is now the seventh largest employer in the world, along with other restaurants, supermarkets, retail are commenting on the difficulty in finding labor. Here's another anecdote from Vegas is that occupancy rates reached over 80% in April and expected that weekends will be sold out for this foreseeable future as it relates to the Vegas Strip. Another anecdote is the Nevada Gaming Control Board granted the Cosmopolitan of Vegas authority to increase its gaming floor capacity to 100%. It's essentially operate gaming floors without social distancing restrictions and without plastic barriers at gaming tables. So Cosmos should join the win in the Encore as being able to operate with these lifted restrictions. So as, as you can see from a high level, from a company level, anecdotally, Things are opening up, the economy is ripping, people have money to spend, but supply chains are disrupted. So you are, we are seeing inflationary elements come through and only time will tell if this is sustainable. Now I'll dig in as it relates to credit markets. Let's start with the major themes and I'll continue with this. The economy is strong. That is good for credit. The Fed is still accommodative and bullish. That is typically good for risk assets. However, inflation is moving higher. That is a headwind for duration, and certainly from a volatility standpoint. So what that means is short duration spread, typically found in floating rate loans, short duration credit, seemingly is, I think, pretty, pretty well positioned in this environment. One of the things I do want to share is just a perspective on how much spending we have really done. And I will just use the COVID relief packages. The big one in there was the CARES Act, which was passed in March and April of last year for about 2.3 trillion. You had another 900 billion passed in December 20. And then we had you know, 1.9 trillion passed in March of 21. All told, there's really been five different packages passed that amounts to $5.3 trillion, which equates to about 24% of our GDP. What I want to share with you as a perspective is if we were to take the uh, America Recovery and Relief Act from 2009, so that's the Great Financial Crisis Recovery Package, that was a little over a trillion if you adjusted for $2,020. is actually technically less than a trillion. That was about 6% of GDP. And then looking back, if you were to take Roosevelt's New Deal, which was passed in 1933 during the Great Depression, if you adjusted it for $2,020, and these, these numbers are courtesy of Cowan and Company, $835 billion, which equates to about 12.5% of GDP. So again, the New Deal was about 12.5% of GDP. 
Our relief packages over the past 13 months, 24% of GDP. And this does not include the current proposed legislation around the infrastructure plan and the families plan. This is just some perspective on how much we have injected into the economy over the past 13 months. And that does not include the current proposed legislation of the infrastructure bill and the families plan. And for those that have stayed this long, a little levity. What should we do with people who rely on government handouts but refuse to work? Kick them out of Congress. I assume there are no politicians listening to this podcast. Thank you and stay tuned. The S&P 500 Index is a market capitalization weighted index of 500 widely held stocks. The Russell 1000 Growth Index measures the performance of the large cap growth segment of the U.S. equity universe. The Russell 2000 Value Index measures the performance of the large cap value segment of the U.S. equity universe. The Bloomberg Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond Index is composed of investment-grade U.S. government bonds, investment-grade corporate bonds, mortgage pass-through securities, and asset-backed securities. It is not possible to invest in an index. One basis point is equal to 0.1%. FOMC refers to the Federal Open Market Committee. Investors should consider a fund's investment goal, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. The prospectus and or summary prospectus contains this and other information and should be read carefully before investing. The prospectus can be obtained by visiting pacificfunds.com. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of the principal amount invested. The views in this commentary are as of May 13, 2021, and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice, as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Sector names in this commentary are provided by the fund's portfolio managers and could be different if provided by a third party. Pacific funds are distributed by Pacific Select Distributors, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, a subsidiary of Pacific Life Insurance Company, Newport Beach, California, and are available through licensed third parties. Pacific funds refers to Pacific Funds Series Trust.